Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And we're kicking off the summer movie season right with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We are kicking it off so right. Can you believe we're finally here? I, I still maintain, I think I told you this a couple weeks ago, I was sitting there uh, in, it might have been in front of Evil Dead. They had trailers for the every whole... single summer movie blockbuster franchise and i was both incredibly excited and not emotionally prepared and that was true today i'm gonna have to do work i'm not ready for you know i've never seen one fast and furious movie all the way through <laughs> i'm th- this summer is gonna take me up and down yeah i mean i just completed it's funny you say that because i literally just completed my rewatch two minutes before we went on the air because that the ending of (laughs) f9 is what i had on while i was uh working and getting ready for today but today it's all about guardians of the galaxy volume three and their creator james gunn we will look at some of his films because you know what He is about to take a giant step forward with another well-known property, uh, the DC Extended Universe. And so we'll talk about that. We've seen him dip his toes into that water. But Guardians, probably the film in 2014 that really put him on the map as a writer and director, not the first thing he had written or directed. Uh, But, you know, when that first Guardians came out, I don't think anyone had an idea of what we were in for. They're a much lesser known uh, set of superheroes to comic book fans and probably were completely unknown to non-comic book fans. And yet we've had nearly 40 films enter the MCU and that original Guardians remains my favorite. So I was very excited and had a lot of emotions as we head into what we knew was going to be the final chapter at least in this incarnation with this writing and directing team i saw it this morning so my thoughts are fresh eric i don't know if you gave yourself more than six hours to process but uh, (laughs) we'll let you kick it off how did guardians of the galaxy volume three hit you I'm going to do this in waves, so I'm going to talk, and then I'm going to let you talk, because you're processing, and then I'm going to talk again, okay? So I'm just going to stick to the high points, okay, for this. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 immediately is a full two thumbs up from me. With the same caveats that I have for Black Panther 2, which I also give two thumbs up, it is it is overstuffed. The, the thing is, I think James Gunn is so wildly talented with the idea of a blockbuster that he manages to incorporate all of these elements that see would normally overstuff and detract from the emotions of a movie. And he's able to ride the story like a pin and make things feel monumental and make things feel amazing. So half of those words didn't make sense in brief the guardians are this is a, a one yet another installment in the mcu's line of how was everyone hit post endgame and it's it's sort of feels so right and yet so confusing on paper how we explore that because explore that by going back to the roots of a character that has notoriously kept himself private yet survived the snap and played a big part 
in solving the problem in Endgame, and that's Rocket Raccoon. So this journey, it, it feels like it earns every emotion it puts on screen, even if those emotions sometimes conflict with one another. And so the main thing I will say to kind of explain what I'm talking about is James Gunn once said after Guardians 2 teased Adam Warlock's existence that he was not putting Adam Warlock in Guardians 3. I'm, I'm willing to bet that that was a studio note that he was supposed to introduce the character because you have such an opportunity for the inciting incident of this movie to be someone from Rocket's past, another experiment, being someone sent to find him, and that kicks off the journey. And if you do that, if you take that incident, Adam Warlock has absolutely nothing to do with the movie that they don't write for him to just to make him fit in. And it's good though. Like on paper, they take this monumental character from the comics who was supposed to be the foil to Thanos, who in, in the, the like Avengers lore is, is one of the most powerful beings in the universe. And there are echoes of Spider-Man three, where someone is like, you have to do this character that you don't want to do. And a guy goes, okay, well, I'm going to make him young, dumb. I'm going to make him screw around a little bit. And he's never going to quite be the character that he is in the comics unless he does like a Renaissance painting homage. And it's like, on paper, that should be terrible. It should be Venom from Spider-Man 3. But it wasn't. Because James Gunn might just be the best blockbuster director being able to take a story that doesn't have your traditional message, your with great power comes great responsibility, your your uh, live long enough to see yourself become a, a villain, you know, kind of message, and still make it seem like legendary, like like a a, a consequential story. So I'm gonna shut up for a minute. <laughs> no, I mean I think it's in some ways perfect that we started talking about. Uh, Fast and the Furious, which is we're going to see and which has a huge tie into this film. Apparently, my year of 2023, no one's going to top Vin Diesel on my list of uh, films I've watched because he is both the quintessential character in the Fast franchise and also the voice of Groot. And I would say the, the major theme that's always been here is family are the people you choose. And that is you know, guardians are very much about they're they're a family. They're a they're a family more so than the Avengers ever were. I know that got thrown around that those you know, and those guys they had some tight bonds between some of the characters, and I'm not saying they didn't work as a team and they didn't care and fight for one another. But this this is a family in all the ways that are delightful and in all the ways that are messy and complicated. Um, you know, thanks to the holiday special, we even literally have some of them being, uh, you know, family. I think if you don't, if you didn't get to see the holiday special, you should probably watch it before this because there is a big plot point in there, shall we say, that's kind of important. Um, you know, to things to get referenced here and you get a little bit more time with, with Cosmo and things like that. And also you should watch it because it's freaking hilarious and left me in a puddle. I watched it three times. If you like guardians, if you like MCU, you should be watching um, 
that. But this, I, I'm with you. I gave two thumbs up. I have it. Um, I didn't pop it into my top five. It didn't unseat Guardians as my favorite MCU film. But I do have it uh, right up there. Also have the holiday special right up there. And a couple of the Spider-Man films in addition to Endgame, Ragnarok, Black Panther, the original, all up there in my top eight, I think, when I was looking at it. Um, it has a lot in it, but you, you it's a good tie-in um, in some ways. Black Panther 2, they had a lot in it, but they were also setting a lot of things in motion for the future of the MCU. One of the things that I loved about Guardians Volume 3 is it's only about the Guardians, including the mid-credit and end-credit scene, which are just about these people and this journey. Even the introduction of Adam Warlock ties into what they're doing with Guardians. And I thought that was kind of a beautiful way. Very rarely have you seen these MCU films not have to, in some way, set up the next thing. And I'm not saying they don't in some ways, because you get, I, I don't know if you watched all the way to the end credits. I hope you did. But you get a tag that I still don't know what to make of. Um, it almost feels like the one that was given to Chris Hemsworth uh, at the end of... Uh, Love and Thunder that he said he wasn't aware of. Um, where they I don't know about that. Well, at the, I, I at never, the end of Thor Love and it. Thunder, it says Thor will return. Oh, right, 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 right. And Chris Hemsworth right. said, I didn't know that was in there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you get a you get a similar, but still that doesn't detract from what this was. I wanted the humor. Um, I wanted the big spectacle. You get these kind of beautiful musical beats. You get plenty of things paid off in these relationships and the arc of these um, characters. Even the the simple things like where Drax is fundamentally as a character when we first meet him and what you get to Drax at the end, Nebula. Um, a character who... It would have been easy from the very first film to kind of write off as a second tier villain's henchman, become such a vital and important part of the team. Even the character played by Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, who was basically a second tier weirdo through at least the first two films, yep. has become a part of this family that just continues to expand. And that's why it, it is almost the MCU version of what they've done with the fast franchise. And I'm, I'm here for it. The, the, the family theme, the family arc, even in what they choose um, at the end. And I was very nervous about how it was going to go and how emotional it was going to be. I was, like you said, extremely interested in looking at rocket. And I think the evolution of rocket and Peter's relationship um was beautiful to me in the way they put that together. It is astounding to have this much emotion for a CGI character voiced over a relationship over time from the one actor who is the least attached to that core cast 
to have it be so effective and have it work so well, you know, Sean Gunn, I think the reason that his character Craglin, if in case people don't know, he wears the fin in this movie. Um, he was, he's rocket when they're shooting. I don't know if he was for this movie still, but he, at least for the first two guardians, he's rocket when they're shooting. And it's so bizarre to have that kind of a relationship. And Bradley Cooper does a phenomenal job. I don't want to like slight anything with that, but you know, he's been so like, he's been on the press tour with them, but he's so like barely t in touch with Would them. Would it be exciting if he won like an Academy Award for playing this See, <laughs> I, I am, I am never usually the person to do this, but there is something about being able to draw that much emotion and truth out of like i mean there are little things here and there that are wonky like his high-pitched voice when he's young and like just like little things but if you look at the credits they uh they had a different voice actor for they did project. okay yes. so that okay so like I, when okay. i was looking at the full movie credits they have a different actor listed as young rocket i i didn't dissociate it with being the same person so again it's well, another he did an incredible of... job of mimicking that yeah you know style mm -hmm. and cadence and um it just it, it's huge it's it's i really think it's rocket's movie but that doesn't take away from rocket's movie being something that features these prominent players that are are served so so well star lord there's a particular little like side story um Hooked on a Feeling by Blue Suede is a song that I used to, we recorded when I was like five years old, a song of me singing this with my brother. And it's always been a joke, like a running thing in our family for, you know, Uga Chaga, Uga Chaga, like, and, and to be like pumping that as like a thing. It's always been a song that's been very special. And of course, the music in all of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies has been so key. Even in Infinity War, there's a needle drop in there. And it, music does such a big part of telling the story and he's so careful with his choices and it works so well. But that first, this is back when they were early, they started doing that thing where they tease a trailer. They do a trailer teaser. It was just like beating drums and hooked on a feeling. And they showed Star-Lord and they showed a brief clip of it. And I was sold on Guardians immediately and started grabbing like as many comics as I could. Then I realized this wasn't really going to be about the comics. This was going to be more of James Gunn's invention. And his world and these characters are probably my favorite. They're definitely my favorite team. You know, I have other singular players that I love their stories and whatnot. But you said it. Like the Guardians is 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 so much more a family than some of the other characters. And you and I both have our gripes with Civil War and how they do and don't earn those relationships and play off of them. But um yeah, it just when when Star Lord calls Rocket his best friend, and you know, there's a joke on the side about second best friend, and there's all these different things going on, like it's just it's all believable. And I absolutely love that. Now, I, 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 this, this might start to take us down a discussion more specifically about James Gunn, but um, the that's the emotional weight that's earned. This is a little more about the sort of coding that it's in. This movie was so gross, <laughs> like, ugh, like. 
from the second that they saw the living space that they were going to be in with the costume design and everything. Which, let's be honest. That looks like a it appeal, was appealed bunhole there. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's what they were clearly uh, going for, especially since. Oh, my that's gosh. Where all the, the... It's yeah. living tissue and 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 I it's it's it started to become like a pattern a thing where James Gunn just loves the idea that aliens are just so gross that they're nasty like or very very specifically they are going to invade you take over your mind and make you part of a hive mind very specifically that's the starfish in the Suicide Squad. That's the aliens in Slither. That's Ego. That's like... He's, he's got a thing about aliens. He likes a certain type of alien. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, that... He, I... Oh, I don't even... I, I can't... I don't think I can cover everything. I think it's just... I had such a good time in the theater like on a ride like we had a child sitting two feet away from us who was maybe four years old and that was like a huge mistake he started screaming during one of the scenes and you know understandable it was bad like people watching this if you haven't already gotten the memo animal torture and gore and the hardest pg-13 the mcu has ever done i think even in terms of like language, you know, we get yep. to see we get to see our friends, you know, here as they're about to kind of land on this planet. We even got our first um, I don't recall them ever using the F word. It is the first MCU F bomb. And I, I read beforehand that it was going to be in there. And I was looking for it to be some monumental thing. Like what if Groot says it right? Like what's going to but the, the use of it, I think, was perfect. It was, uh. yes, it was. Uh, somebody else was talking about, uh, I can't remember what um, Drax calls Mantis something that was completely surprising, too, because he's oh. not usually. Um, I can't remember what the, it is. The, the there was a lot there. of back and forth, um, that you're looking for, um. I enjoyed Craglin and Cosmo the dog and the take it back. You yeah, absolutely. Cosmo's such a good dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was just a whole bunch of fun things. And we got a whole bunch of fun uh, James Gunn, you know, people who have appeared in other James Gunn movies won't, won't ruin all those, but people you've seen uh, populate his films throughout time popping up in some interesting roles a lot of the kind of recurring jokes you know we had the recurring joke about there being a dumb one in every in every team uh that you're kind of going through like you said the my best friend's second best friend yeah <laughs> that keeps uh coming up i there was you know, just some beautiful, the beautiful interpersonal relationships, too. I think there's a couple uh, of ones in there that people have wanted to tend toward romantic. And the payoffs we got, I thought, were were more um, beautiful 
Um, I just think they're more earned. They're more true to what they should be. And I think that's what saves it from, like on paper, the amount of, I, I can think of no better term for this, so I'm sorry, but farting around of characters who are like in a life and death situation and are just like, if, if you just read the scene in the home with Drax and the couch and Nebula and the soda on paper, I would not want to watch that if I read that scene on paper. But it works so well. It's just, it just feels like I, it's true to the characters they've created. And the and drawing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that Star Lord who has been trying to like prove he's smart, like the whole movie, he gets sucked into it. He's like, really? Oh gosh. It was so good. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, where they go if we get any um, pieces of these characters. We've heard from several of the actors who've talked about their time coming to an end. And literally, they started in 2014. It's been a decade. It's been a decade since they inhabiting these characters and having them appear. They've done three standalone films and a holiday special on their own. They were in two Avengers films and and a Thor film so i mean it's a lot coming and going we're coming to the end of a segment probably of the the mcu we don't know how many times we're gonna see some of these folks back again so it's just appreciating what we've got a generational shift happening where when you have a franchise that's going to be continual like this there is definitely going to be a part where like this almost felt like an homage to Marvel from five, 10 years ago. Like, yeah. the, you know, and Guardians 1, in many ways, I think actually saved the MCU because it came out at a time when people were already early on. Like, I'm laughing at those people now talking about Marvel fatigue because the tone of the movies was so similar and gray. It just. Well, and you'd had such yeah. somber and serious because the first immediate post uh, post Avengers films, you had Thor: The Dark World, yeah, Iron Man three, three. and then Captain America: <laughs> Winter Soldier. Not that they weren't good, but none of them were which were happy, yeah. And then like during it was they dumped if I recall they dumped Guardians like in late July or August. It was the end. Mm-hmm. Of summer, which is not typically a time where you're going to get great ones. I don't know who they were. I thought the trailer looked cool. And just from the moment I saw it, I was in. Blown away. It's, it's, he, he, the imagination behind it, the commitment to it, the balance between like originality and details. Like, I, I don't even, it's so clear that James Gunn has a love for the Guardians of the Galaxy that Sam Raimi had for Spider-Man. And that's like the closest I can get to kind of understanding it. But that kicks off a whole discussion about what does that mean for the DCU? Yeah, so I think as we look at James Gunn, we'll we'll look at it in two pieces. Pre-Guardians... And what his post-Guardians future is, which for a lot of these guys, when they come out, like with the Russo brothers, when they finished Endgame, it was, you know, what are you what are you going to do? What are you going to go? James Gunn, we, we darn well know what he's going to do. His, like, next 10 years worth of projects are pretty well laid out. 
Oh, um, more than that. Because he's going to have to serve as an ex- executive producer at minimum for... Well, depends on how successful. Let's say his next 10 years for the projects ah, okay, that's fair. Are, are laid yeah. out. But pre, you know, pre-Guardians... Um, he started out as a writer. Uh, you, I was joking with you about this last week. One of his first probably big writing credits. We're just gonna skip Scooby Doo because everybody has a has a bad. Has <laughs> I a, like him. Has a lesser note on their, their I... resume, but probably one of the the first big kind of sci-fi things was he wrote uh, Dawn of the Dead. Zack Snyder, which remake. was the Zack Snyder. I don't even know if it's exactly a remake or or an. It, it's a remake. Kind of a remake. We hadn't so, come up with all these extra terms by then. It was just a remake at the time. The irony of that is that would have been Gunn's first pairing with Zack Snyder, who he's now about to completely displace uh, in terms of creative control for for a set of films, but. That Dawn of the Dead, I didn't know what to make of it. I actually kind of enjoyed it. It's mostly set in a mall. You got Ving Rhames, among others, in there. I thought there were some sharply written things. Mm-hmm. It's not incredible, but I enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, it's not the greatest movie of all time. but And, and that's, that's the thing that I'm going to say about so many of James Gunn movies. It's, 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 it's very niche. It's very appeals to a certain demographic of viewer. But it's it is one of the best for what it is. Like that Dawn of the Dead remake, it is very rare that people will watch like a remake of an old horror movie and hold it in praise and not like severely challenge it. And that sucker holds up. Like it it, it is still even though Ty Burrell, I don't know how they managed to make Ty Burrell annoying in retrospect, but they did. Is that a joke? In the movie, in that movie, he's annoying uh, to me. He's amazing. No, I, mean, I don't know how you. I, I meant your comment that you don't know how they managed to make him annoying. Yeah, I don't know because I I think he's amazing in like Modern Family and all the other stuff that he does. So uh, I guess I guess to each their own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was in this natural state, but I'm probably the the first big. James Gunn film that I remember is a little uh, horror film called Slither. And you referenced it. uh, Aliens coming down, not the aliens you're expecting. Uh, It has Nathan Fillion, who you can see there, Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker, among others. I remember being taken by the humor, the style, but also the kind of over the top use of gore and Mm. violence, which seems to be a director's trademark yeah yep and you i believe you had said you had seen this one around the time the, out as well well I, yes and then i just rewatched it and um i gotta say this is the standalone movie in his in his catalog that has the clearest potential like allegory or subtext going on which is infidelity you have Michael Rooker's character, like the whole movie can be summed up with Elizabeth Banks is then he are married and he wants to be intimate with her and she doesn't want to. So he goes to a bar, flirts with a girl and then is turned into a monster that's invading the entire town and making them a part of himself and then getting angry at her and blaming her for it happening because of her rejection of him. And... 
I never ever would have tried to think about that if it weren't for the fact that I watched Guardians and I was trying to think about that more. So it's not like it wears any of this on its sleeve or anything like that. I think first and foremost on James Gunn's mind is entertainment in his own way without trying to compromise that entertainment for somebody else's idea of what is good. And Slither is head to toe unique. And I, I think it's I think it's fantastic for what it is. Like, yes, it's super gory though. Like, I'm not gonna it's one of those movies that you recommend it to someone and they watch it and they judge you. So Yes, especially like it's I mean, if you were looking for a horror movie, you but if you're going and you're like, oh, I've really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm going to go back. Not exactly. It. And like that would be my same counter for Super, which yeah. is um, sort of like a, I mean, I guess it's sort of a comedy. I never enjoyed Super that much. Maybe even though I like James Gunn and I like Rain Wilson, it just didn't totally work for me. Um Oh my gosh. Like I, th the way they, they played off of um, Elliot at the time, Ellen Page's character it really just like messed me up in like a weird way where I was no longer, it tipped the balance to where I wasn't enjoying watching the movie. And I feel like you can push the boundaries with things and you can comment on the ridiculousness of superheroes in reality. Cause that movie came out the same year as kick-ass. So there's a lot of, a lot of, comparisons and there's a lot of contrast that don't i think cast favorably on super but um you know kevin bacon is good in that movie rain wilson is good in that movie even though i don't like like what's happening and i don't know i just have all kinds of mixed emotions about it and it's it's one of those things that i think i watched at a time i wasn't ready to feel that like sick about something and it just struck me the wrong way at the time i might need to give it another shot oh you're muted it's interesting, though, that that was the bulk of his pre-MCU resume. Um, and then, yeah. obviously, you know, you get the hit with uh, Guardians. And I. it's interesting to look back now, but there was a period of time where some old tweets surfaced, and he actually got fired from the MCU. They ended up uh, sort of unceremoniously going back on that Um to bring him back but that's one of the reasons we didn't see kind of a guardians 3 before now because it's been a long time since guardians volume 2 it's also it was interesting to read some of the things that he said they did some things with the guardians characters in avengers that he wasn't wild about and hadn't been made aware of and kind of got handed back so you wonder how much that impacted uh, what they had to do. But during that interim time, he found a pretty soft landing spot uh, in the DCEU where uh, they were looking at kind of their own issues post uh, the Justice League version we got in theaters, which I don't know who among us wouldn't admit that that was something of a train wreck. You didn't know what Zack Snyder's future was going to be. Turns out it wasn't really one. They had put out Wonder Woman 1984 uh, during the middle of the pandemic, uh, mostly released kind of at home. This one also impacted by the pandemic. I like how it says only in cinemas, but I believe it was a same-day drop 
on HBO yep. Max because it was the year that they were doing the same day drops. And that's actually where I uh, first encountered it. I was super pumped because I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think if you went in thinking you were going to get Guardians of the Galaxy, this probably would have thrown you off. I will tell you, this is not one of my favorite DCEU films. I don't even like it as much as the David Ayer Suicide Squad, which I still maintain should have gotten Margot Robbie an Emmy or an Academy Award nomination for Harley Quinn. I don't, I think Harley Quinn, um, Joel Kinnaman's character are kind of, they don't know what to do. And you talk about with Guardians. It's clear how much he loves those characters. I think my it's big problem when he doesn't with Suicide Squad is it didn't seem like he loved any of the characters except for maybe John Cena's character, who I didn't really care for. I got to say, Peacemaker, Polka Dot Man, Weasel, and King Shark feel like the characters that he was the most engaged with. Uh, Bloodshot to me felt like a studio decision to replace Will Smith. Um, which now they're bringing Deadshot back. So apparently. which to be fair, I don't think it's bad. It's a very solid action movie and it even has, Whoa. And Ratcatcher too. Um, even though they don't really spend as much time on her, there's th that her character has the heart of what I think is James Gunn's passion for heroes in general. Because I think this is true across Guardians of the Galaxy, across Suicide Squad, across anyone, is the idea that if a rat, if one of the lowliest creatures can have purpose and value in this world, then anyone can. So, like, it, it, like instead of everyone looking up to superheroes as uh, creatures that can take on feats that supernaturally that we can't, and we look up to them as people who motivate us to handle the problems in our day-to-day -day life. He takes his unique approach to that is well, no, no matter how bad you are, you can still be great, and that is a really sweet takeaway in a movie that is otherwise it just feels like a guy playing with action figures. Well, and this really feels like uh, you know it definitely they were they were never making a PG thirteen movie. It's R. Yeah, it's incredibly violent it's incredibly graphic with language so too is the show that he uh made as a spinoff from this fil film uh peacemaker which had a season one on hbo max and in both cases i think there are some fascinating visuals and some things i've never seen peacemakers opening um credit sequence is probably the best opening credit sequence i've ever seen it's far better than anything I saw in the rest of the show. Uh, there are just moments of brilliance, but there are things. It's it's so over the top. And that's when you get to him setting the table, uh, you know, and his partner in this is the guy who's the producer on Shazam. And stylistically, Shazam and Suicide Squad could not feel further apart. And that's where... I don't know what to make of this. We've also seen James Gunn. You know, I referenced the reason I referenced Super is because I think that vibe feeds much more into Suicide Squad, as does the film that he didn't write or direct, but he produced, Brightburn, 
mm-hmm. very kind of negative and dark tones. And that's what I don't know what to make of the announcement of this new DCEU, especially where they're putting so much focus on some of the creature features. Like, I don't think people who are excited about seeing the DC universe come to life were immediately thinking about Swamp Thing. Right. But James Gunn is. Yes. And that's that's the thing that was curious to me about watching some of his movies back to back is it felt like I could start to see patterns and start to feel like I know where things are going. Now, to be fair, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 feels way different from even The Suicide Squad, the last big movie that he made. So he is changing like all the time. But he is going to directly make the next Superman movie. And I am willing to bet, not a lot, but a small amount of money that the bad guy is going to be Brainiac, that he's going to be gross, and that there's going to be some kind of like leaning on alien invasion. Isn't it supposed to be kind of like an origin story set in Smallville? I'm... If so, then really again, know. again, Slither is a template for exactly what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's one of those things. I I feel like Adam Warlock may have been sort of a dry run for working on some of the VFX and style of working with a character like Superman. And if some of those like like flying sequences and that idea of writing a character that's sort of naive and youthful but super powerful, if if that's what we're going to get, um, you could do worse when it comes to Superman. So, you know, I, that's something I would be excited for, but I, I suppose I'm more interested in the properties that he's not going to direct, but are fueled by directors who are trying to fit into his mind and his world. I feel like he is a good inspiration for creativity. And so I'm very excited about some of the other projects. Yeah. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it all comes together, but uh, maybe I'll end with, with this question for you. 10 years from now, do you think we'll see the guardians franchise as kickstarting things or an aberration in James Gunn's canon of work? Cause I'm starting to feel like it's going to be a little bit of an aberration. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say this to you because I feel like you have a reason to feel similar, if not the same way, but there's too much about Guardians that struck chords personally with me. Like, I don't even... I think of Guardians with 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 one half of my heart separate from the MCU. Like, Guardians is its special own thing. And so, I don't know if I'm ever going to quite think about it in relation to his other work. But I know what you're kind of getting at. And I, I, I would say... I would say that if things go bad, you will have seen the signs of how it will go bad by the time we got to Guardians 3. But if things go well, you'll be able to see early signs of how he learned to balance the best of what you can get in a blockbuster movie and carry that into a successful property like a franchise. Well, and everybody hits things differently. There were a bunch of people that thought The Suicide Squad was a breath of fresh air and really enjoyed Peacemaker just... I'm just not that person. Yeah, me either. And again, I, I, everyone was a huge fan of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad movie. And when I saw it, that character did not gel with me. I was like, No, I was like, why are we building a show around? 
Yeah. So um, love polka dot man. <laughs> David Desamakian. <sighs> I'm so glad he's getting in, he's getting momentum in his career without blowing up too too big. Um, but heck, I'd be happy if he blew up too too big. He he's great. Well. That's going to do it for us uh, today. Uh, we will not be with you next week. Spend some time with your mother, will you? Give her a call or a mother that's in your life. Uh, and then we will be back continuing the theme of summer movie blockbusters and family with Fast X and the Fast franchise, which I, you know what? I'm now thrilled to know that you have never uh, seen them. Uh, when we come off the air, I'll give you my recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um but now you can really uh, become even better friends with your second best friend, Ricky. Yeah. My second best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, with the Drax in both of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I feel so bad that he didn't get to enjoy Guardians 3 as much. But yeah, yeah, I'll see you. Well, you know, it hits everyone differently. But uh, until then, a whole bunch of things coming out next week that are worth checking out. Still, a Michael J. Fox documentary comes out on Apple TV Plus on Friday. I've seen it. It is brilliant. Book Club, the next chapter. I saw it today. It is a movie that exists. It will be out in theaters. If you are looking to take an older lady in your life, that might be the the thing to go see. Uh, And then there's a Disney Plus movie called Crater. Um, that comes out next Friday. So there's a whole bunch of options for any kind of thing that you are looking to see, but I can't recommend Michael J. Fox documentary enough. If you're looking for a way to fill uh, your, those quiet times on Sunday night next week. Um, Until then, hope you guys uh, enjoy yourselves at the movies.